0: The Chinese word for crisis is the same as the word for opportunity. Business gurus say this all the time, so naturally, it's complete bullshit. The Chinese word for crisis is crucial point of danger. Or more simply, the Chinese word for crisis is crisis. But for my wife Denise, the word crisis really does mean opportunity. After Japan's Fukushima disaster led to three nuclear meltdowns, My wife said, We have to go there. This sounded crazy, even for her. Visiting Tokyo right after a nuclear accident would be like taking a vacation in Chernobyl, something which we also did. I asked her, Why would we want to go to Japan right after three nuclear meltdowns? She replied, Tokyo Disneyland won't be crowded. Well, she sold me. I love Disneyland, and we'd been to every other one on Earth. They're all sort of like the cities that built them hong kong disneyland like hong kong itself amazes you with how much they can pack into a limited space conversely shanghai disneyland like shanghai is sprawling too sprawling in fact there's only a handful of rides and they're miles apart as soon as you've gotten from the front gate to the tron roller coaster it's closing time as for disneyland paris it's just like the rest of paris Achingly beautiful, yet filled with cigarette butts and unimpressed Frenchmen. It's the disenchanted kingdom, the surliest place on earth. I got slammed square in the back by a car from the Snow White ride. The attendant just laughed a French laugh. Ha ha ha. I was mocked by a grown man dressed as an elf. In Morocco, we visited Disneyland Casablanca. It was just one ride, a rusted out kiddie coaster that didn't go anywhere. Kids climbed aboard and sat there contentedly for 20 minutes. Despite the large hand-painted sign, this may not have been an authorized Disneyland. There's no Z in Disney, is there? But we'd never been to Tokyo Disneyland because we heard it was way too crowded. A six-hour wait for any decent ride. Maybe having the worst nuclear disaster since Chernobyl would keep the crowds down. It didn't, really. The place was packed, just not jam-packed. Fold to the rafters, but not bursting at the seams. You can skip Tokyo's Magic Kingdom. It's exactly like Orlando's. But there's a second park next door, Disney Sea, and it's built on a Titanic scale. Literally, there's a full scale copy of the Titanic sitting right in the middle of the park. They've duplicated nine square blocks of Venice where you can take gondola rides, and there's a life size volcano with a roller coaster inside it. We left Tokyo Disney glowing with childish wonder and nuclear radiation. But how would we fill the rest of the trip? Japan is a beautiful country with a rich culture, but there's not much to see. Just think of your monster movies. When Godzilla goes on a rampage in Japan, there's no landmarks for him to destroy. No iconic buildings to climb. He's always just walking into power lines. So many power lines. I felt like Godzilla. What was i gonna do in japan for the next two weeks and my wife said the words that made my blood run cold let me surprise you my wife and i were married on labor day 1988 and i figured this was the last party i'd be hosting for a while but four days later i climbed out of the bathtub walked into my living room and heard surprise My wife had thrown me a surprise party. While these things look cute on TV, this is about the worst experience you can have. One minute you're relaxed and alone, a second later you're hosting a party you didn't even know was happening. I was wet naked and surrounded by scary people. It was birth all over again. Three days after that, Denise and I were dining out when she complained that her steak was overcooked. The waiter insisted it was rare. This escalated into a shouting match with the waiter proclaiming, I will prove to you the steak is rare. Out of the kitchen walked a cow, or rather two people in a ratty cow suit, who proceeded to dance around my table. My wife had surprised me again, twice in the week since our wedding. I began to fear that this is what married life would be. My wife springing giant surprises on me every few days, pranking me to an early grave. But Denise lost her taste for excitement. That's the beauty of marriage. She retired her surprise skills till this trip to Japan 25 years later. First, she booked us a suite at the Godzilla Hotel. Yes, Godzilla had no landmarks to destroy in Tokyo, so he became one himself. It's a four-star businessman's hotel that has a life-size Godzilla bursting through the roof. Another Godzilla head smashed through the wall of our hotel room just above the bed. Godzilla props adorn the walls, and when you turned on the TV, you saw specially made news reports about Godzilla attacking your hotel. I went to the toilet in the middle of the night, and suddenly the room went dark, the walls shook, and Godzilla appeared in the bathroom mirror. This was too goddamn much Godzilla. From there, Denise found us an even scarier hotel room, the Hello Kitty suite. Hello Kitty adorned the wallpaper, the curtains, the carpet. It was on the bathrobes and towels and slippers. Breakfast arrived, and it was a Hello Kitty shaped omelette with Hello Kitty faces burned into the toast. It all put me in mind of an amazing news story from the 80s. A man was so obsessed with sex that he covered every square inch of his home with porn. Floors, walls, ceiling furniture, even appliances. This still wasn't enough, so he fashioned a porn helmet. A lampshade lined with dirty pictures that he wore on his head so he could always be looking at pornography. Sadly, one day his porn helmet got hooked on his porn chandelier, and he accidentally hanged himself. Substitute porn with creepy cartoon cat, and his apartment becomes the Hello Kitty Suite. I'd be surrounded by more kitties, real-life ones, in Tokyo's many cat cafes. These are just what they sound like. Intimate coffee houses with lots of cats roaming around, climbing on everyone and everything. They proved so popular that they spawned many imitators. Owl cafes, snake cafes, hedgehog cafes, and even one capybara cafe. Somehow South America's largest rodent wound up in a Tokyo Starbucks. We have nothing like this in America except for New York's many rat and roach cafes. We tried different themed restaurants for dinner the pirate steakhouse the vampire diner the ninja bistro and the thing to understand about all these places is there's nothing cheesy about them There is full commitment to the themes the pirate cafe looked and smelled like an authentic sailing ship the vampire cafe scared the crap out of me in japan there's no line between high culture and low between entertainment for kids and for adults. If Japan had a Chuck E. Cheese, the pizza would actually be good, and the mouse would be anatomically correct. One day we stopped at a coffee shop done in early Sid and Marty Croft. The walls were a psychedelic nightmare. Plastic vines dripped from the ceilings. Giant fiberglass mushrooms with eyes rolled between tables bringing coffee. Japanese businessmen filled up this place. One floor above was another coffee shop, but in this one the waitresses were all dressed as French maids in impossibly short skirts. This joint was populated with kids and happy families. To my mind, the Japanese never knew quite where to put their sex. I saw an insanely sexy TV commercial one morning. I thought it was for a strip club, but it was actually for post-honeycomb cereal. Conversely, the logo of the local massage parlor was a cartoon rabbit in a bikini. The Japanese, in fact, don't do anything the way you expect. In November, they have some of the most beautiful fall colors on earth, but they don't go out to see them during the day when there's, you know, the sun. It's a nighttime thing. They floodlight the parks and temples of the city so you can enjoy the fall colors when it's dark and cold they also stage a daily parade of giant illuminated robots it's a jaw-dropping spectacle but for some reason they do it indoors in a cramped ballroom you couldn't hold a wedding in spectators are jammed against the walls as the robots plow straight through clearly on their way to a better event for fun the japanese play pachinko a game which is no fun at all It's a combination of pinball, but with no control of the ball, mixed with a slot machine that never, ever pays out money. If Satan wanted an ironic punishment for people who wasted their lives playing video games, he'd have invented pachinko. 9 million players sit cheek by jowl for hours joylessly playing this game. It looks like a scene cut from the matrix for being too depressing. Pachinko generates 30 times as much money as Vegas, with 10,000 arcades as cacophonous and smoky as Tom Waits. The biggest mystery about Japan is, where's all the garbage? Tokyo is a city of 12 million people and they're all snacking on food that looks like candy and tastes like seafood. They're producing tons of trash daily but you don't see a scrap of litter anywhere. And they're not throwing it away either because there are no trash cans in Tokyo. There was an attack in 1995 where terrorists planted sarin nerve gas in the city's trash bins. Japan responded by banning all garbage cans. These guys have outlawed trash cans for 25 years. In America, we sell machine guns to mental patients. So where's all the litter? Where's the wrapper from the chewy salmon bars? And the sticks from their squid popsicles? I don't know. I guess they eat those too. If you get lost in Tokyo, the locals are always happy to help. Unfortunately, they may be lost too. It's a big city, and if you ask someone for directions, it's considered rude to say, I don't know. Instead, they'll make something up. It won't get you where you're going, but it'll get you away from them. We did explore the culture of Japan. We went to see Kabuki Theater, where actors in weird masks scream at each other for six hours. The music seemed to be twanging bed springs and people banging on all those trash cans they'd taken off the streets. Maybe it made sense to the locals, but I didn't see one Japanese person in the audience. It was all baffled tourists. Either the Japanese see Kabuki once as kids and decide, that's enough for me. Or it's just the big prank they've been pulling on tourists for a thousand years. We also visited Tokyo's Museum of Tobacco and Salt. It's a large and beautiful institution that answers all your questions except why did they build this? These aren't big Japanese products. Tobacco represents 0.2% of their agricultural output. As for salt, they don't produce grain one. No salt at all. The museum seems so random. What concepts were rejected? The Museum of Shoes and Butter? Toothpaste and trolley cars? We also took an Ikebana class. That's the Japanese art of flower arrangement. It seems like a no-brainer. Flowers are pretty to begin with, so it's hard to mess them up, right? Wrong. At least according to our instructor. That is awful. Ugly. 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 She shoved me aside and adjusted one pussy willow a fraction of an inch. Now. Perfect. My favorite cultural activity was an Aikido class. This is a Japanese martial art where an entire match can take one-tenth of a second. You see these bouts on YouTube. They're literally over in the blink of an eye. Can you imagine settling in for a night of Monday Night Aikido? You've got a six-pack of sake and a hot shrimp Sunday, and suddenly the whole thing's over while you're still sinking into your sofa. Still, it was fun to do. My wife and I put on protective padding, heavy woolen kimonos, and steel face masks. Then we wailed away at each other with sticks. It was a great way to get out some aggression after a stressful day of flower arrangement and 25 years of marriage. It was all in good fun until somehow, somehow, my wife got through all my protective gear and smacked me square in the groin with a bamboo pole. Just another one of her little surprises. What Am I Doing Here? was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, featuring Carolyn Shu and Irene Chan, with Denise Reese as herself.